Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. This is crazy. I've heard some stories. I've heard some legends. I've heard some shenanigans that have happened here. But I'm very glad to be with you guys tonight. We're here because VBS is happening. Who volunteered at VBS? I want to say before we begin, before we dive into God's word, listen, look up, look up here. If you volunteered at VBS, I'm super proud of you guys. Hey, look up here. Look at my eyeballs. If you guys volunteered, I saw a number of you guys today run around the, run around the building with um, some young people. You guys were um, helping serve. You guys were throwing up some decorations. And so if you were here this morning or if you're serving at VBS, I just wanted to commend you and say good job. That's what we do here at church. That's what uh, the church does. The church gets up and serves each other. And so uh, good job. And if you are like looking to get involved in a way to serve uh, here at the church, I feel like that's a really good opportunity. Just people who are like a little bit younger than you. So uh, good job. And that's why we're here tonight. We want to uh, respect what God is doing at VBS this week and what just... Uh, our leaders uh, in uh, kids ministry have built and like created for these kids. And so we're here because middle schoolers, I love you, but you break things all the time. Unbreakable things are broken when middle schoolers are around. It's true. It's true. And so that's why we're in here. We're protecting things. Oh my gosh. You guys are wild tonight. This is crazy. This whole time I thought you guys were so chill. It was just, we were all very spread out. And so you guys are very excited. Um... Open up your Bibles. Phones, floor, Bible, hand. Phones, floor, Bible, hand. If you have your phone, put it on the floor right now. If you have your Bible, put it in your hand. We are in Romans chapter 8 today. Listen up, guys. Romans chapter 8, where we are uh, continuing in our series, Summer of Life. Hey, sixth grade crew over here. Look at me. Look at me. Hey, buddy, blue shirt. Got you. I got you. Focus up here. We're continuing in our series, Summer of Life, where we are learning all about God's Holy Spirit and our relationship to the Holy Spirit and how when we uh, encounter the Lord in faith, when you and I were saved, we were never the same after that. Jesus says something really cool in the Gospels where he says that he came so that he would give us life and life to the abundance. And then Jesus also says this other really cool thing that we talked a little bit last week, where he says that it would be better for him to leave so that the helper would come. And we know throughout scripture that the helper means the Holy Spirit. And so we have a very clear relationship with the Holy Spirit giving us and being the very true source of life that you and I need. And I don't know about you, but I want life. I want true abundant life that will last I want a life that will uh, fill me with joy and purpose. And man, I'm here to tell you, you can't find it anywhere else outside of God, outside of his word and outside of his Holy Spirit living in and through you. And so that's why we're studying Romans chapter 8 uh, this summer, summer of life. Okay, I want you to think of something for me right now. I want you to think about a friend that you have, a friend that you know that could be in the room, that could not be in the room, I don't know. Um, And they have like a distinct characteristic to them. There's like something about them 
where if there was a crowd full of people like this room, you could just like point to them in like the middle of a huge crowd. You're like, oh yeah, that is just so, so and so. Do you guys have someone like that in your life? Do you have someone that you're just like, it's easier if they're like super tall, you know? If they're like 6'5", it's like, oh yeah, that's just play. He plays bass and he's like massive, he's super tall. Um, you know, do you have someone like that in your life? Someone that's like this distinct characteristic about them. If they're walking down the hallway, if they're in a big crowd, you can just be like, yep, that is just so Max. Or that is just so Courtney or whatever. Do you guys know people like that? I have a friend that I uh, worked with uh, a few years ago back in Chicago. And this guy, I'm telling you, he had the most obnoxious and hilarious laugh that you have ever heard. It was the mixture between like yelling and laughing and his like face was like contorted while he was like he was just all in on laughing like i feel like sometimes it takes a lot for me to laugh but like you could say like hi to this guy and he just start laughing you know it's like one of those things and so like one of the things like i would do events where um there are like thousands of people and sometimes in like a small space and like we would sometimes i'd have to like find this guy in this crowd of people, this like one thing I was like looking for this guy, and uh, he wasn't super tall, so like sometimes we're like, where the heck is this guy? And sometimes in the roar of like the crowd, when you like think you guys screaming, you guys yelling, I would just sometimes just like like get real quiet, and I'd just like think, I'd be like, can I hear his laugh? And once I focused on the laugh, I could hear it from like a hundred yards away. I'm like, there it is, there he is. I'd like sprint through the crowd and sure enough, I'd find him. He just like had that thing, right? That like he stood out and he was like special in a crowd full of like a million people. And I would find him and be like, how'd you find me? I'd be like, well, you were laughing like a crazy person. And so here you are, right? Okay, do you know that person? Do you have a friend like that who has like a distinct characteristic? Now I want you to think about yourself and your life and who you are. There's plenty of things that make you, you. And if a friend really knows you super well, they could probably lift off a few things. If you know yourself super well, you could probably lift off a, uh, a few things about yourself as well and say, man, I, this is just kind of what I do. This is just kind of who I am. And everybody in this room has, have, uh, you guys have things that make you, you. You have uh, a style, you have your interests, you have things you like, you have things you don't like, you have things you would say, you have things you don't say, right? And that's all based on uh, your personality. That's all based on like uh, just who you are and like the, the compilation of uh, things uh, that make you, you. And so like one of the things I've noticed is certain people in this room are uh, Cowboys fans. I've seen a few people. Thank you. Thank you. And I judge you based on that decision to like that team. Because I'm an Eagles fan. Go Birds. Go Eagles. Come on. You thought you got rid of the Eagles fans when Sam left. Not at all. Not at all. You guys are five years of a youth pastor who is an Eagles fan, and now you're stuck with me. So, ha. I'm back. Eagles fans are back. Anyway, and you can kind of make these judgments on people based on things they like or personalities that they are. And the world kind of perpetuates that idea, right? The world perpetuates and almost encourages that idea. I want you to think about like those like cheesy like posters in like classrooms or like doctor's office. It's like, you know, if you dream it, you can do it. Or like if you like, I don't know, like hang in there, like life gets better, like all these random things like that. I can almost see this on one of those posters. 
Find the thing that makes you special and go for it. Right? I feel like I've seen it too. That might actually be a thing that's on there, right? Or find that uh, spark inside of you that makes you stand out in the crowd, right? And maybe you listen to these things, you're listening to my voice, you're like, what are you talking about? What's the point of this? Like, I obviously don't do those things. The reality is that every single person in this room finds their identity in something. Every single person in this room is searching for or has found or is currently uh, claiming to have identity in something. There's uh, something very special and there's something that uh, happens when we uh, find our identity in something. We uh, wrap our whole lives around that thing. So maybe you're right here in this room and uh, you're an athlete. Maybe you're in this room right now and you, um, you love sports. You love sports and you're all in on it. And again, as I list these things, these aren't necessarily bad things, but we're gonna get to the point of uh, you know, why I'm listing off these things. Maybe you're an athlete right now, and right now you get a lot of affirmation, you get a lot of value, you get a lot of purpose in getting to that next level in your training. Or maybe right now you're an athlete and you are just like really going after it. You really want to get that PR. You really want to get on that varsity team. You really want to get that scholarship to that school. And you find your identity. You find a lot of value from your ability to be athletic. Or maybe right now uh, you're in the room and you, uh, like me, you find a lot of value in what you know, the things you can learn. You find a lot of value in like scores on a test, a GPA on a piece of paper. You find a lot of value from those things. You find uh, almost purpose from those things. Or maybe right now you're in the room and you, uh, you have a list and you have a group of people that you just really want to impress. There's just a group of people that like, man, when they're around me, when they're laughing at my jokes, when they're complimenting my vibe, when they are liking my photos on Instagram, man, when they do that, I really feel feel special. I feel like I have a purpose. I feel like I have meaning, right? And the list can go on and on and on. And again, at surface level, you can say, what's wrong with those things? What's wrong with having friends? What is wrong with uh, being successful at a sport? And I would say none of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But something happens when you and I try and find our identity in those things. Again, we all have uh, characteristics and attitude that builds our personalities, but sometimes we take these things from the world far, way, way, way too far, and we begin to build our identity around them. And my question for you today is what happens when those things that you have built your identity on begin to change? What happens when the things of the world that you've put some sort of faith and trust in, that you've received affirmation from, that you've begun to identify with as just a part of who you are, what happens when those things change? What happens when that boyfriend or girlfriend that you have breaks up with you for the second or third time? I mean, we're gonna act like it doesn't happen? What, like, what happens when you are striving so hard to get into that school, to get that sports scholarship, and you have an injury, and you can't play sports for an entire season, and you may never get to the spot where you want it to be? What happens when the, the curriculum or that school that you wanted to get in so bad, that uh, letter comes and you didn't get into the school that you wanted to, right? I've seen it so many times in students especially, and even in my own life, when sometimes life happens and the things of this world kind of shake us a little bit and we begin to what? 
I've heard so many times people say this, they're just like, I feel like I have lost part of myself. I feel like I don't know who I am anymore. I feel like I don't really know what I'm doing. And that's what we risk when we find our identity in the things of this world. That's what we risk when we uh, put all of our interest, when we put all of our perspective on who we are and our value in things of this world. And we're going to learn tonight from this passage that God calls you and I into something much, much deeper. Something that doesn't shake, something that doesn't fade, something that will never fade away. Because when you and I become Christians, it's just this really interesting thought. Like when the world tells you, find that thing that makes you special, find that spark, find that thing that makes you, you, and go for it. Show the world what you're about. The whole narrative of scripture kind of illuminates the opposite. That there's nothing special about you and I. There's nothing we bring to the table. And there's nothing special about the other people around us either. And so that when we put our identity either in other people or in something that we bring, ultimately we are doomed to be disappointed in those things. Because, friends, when we become Christians, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, everything about you changes. It's impossible, really, to have a true encounter with Jesus and be the same exact person that you were beforehand. And so when you have that moment, and I pray that many of you have, everything about you and your identity changes because the distinguishable quality about you, the thing that makes you special, the thing that uh, makes you stand out is no longer and was really never anything that you had. It was now Christ, God's Holy Spirit, living in and through your life. And that's what we're going to see here tonight, Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 70, 17. And our main idea is 70. Could you imagine reading that many verses? My goodness. That'd be a lot. We're going to do it at camp pretty much, but it's okay. Um, 14 through 17. This passage is going to show us this one main idea. I want you to latch onto this. As a Christian, my new identity is found in being a child of God. My new identity is found in being a child of God. And there's going to be three points tonight. Three points tonight. And I truly believe that if you grasp onto these points, if you apply these to your lives, if you have these truths written down on a page, or if you have these truths just in the back of your mind, they will carry you in and through the trials of this life. Look at verse 14 with me. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness that our spirit, uh, with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. Man, if you're a Christian in this room, your new identity is found in being a child of God. That's who you are, and that's what we're going to see. That's who you will always be. Let's pray, and we're going to dive in. God, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these truths. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to open up your word tonight. I pray that um, we would take these truths to heart, that we would apply these things to our lives. I pray that we wouldn't be looking and searching anywhere else to uh, for true life, for true satisfaction. God, I pray that we wouldn't be building our identity in the things of this world. We wouldn't be looking to other people. We wouldn't be looking to our accomplishments. We wouldn't be looking to our own intellect, our own ability. But God, would we always be looking for you? 
So God, uh, let us focus now. Help us to uh, understand the words that you have uh, spoken to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Number one point. Like, first point I want you guys to take uh, down. When I'm a Christian, I am a son or daughter of God. When I am a Christian, I am a son or daughter of God. If you're a Christian, what does it say? For all who are led by the Spirit of, uh, Spirit of God are sons of God. Easily uh, also translated to sons or daughter. It's not specifically like gender exclusive or whatever. So sons or daughters of God. So those who are led by the Spirit. We know this. We've seen this. That's one of the key uh, you know, distinctions of a Christian if you are led by God's Spirit. If you are thinking the things that Christ thinks about. If you, are, uh, if you are talking in a way that honors God. If you are making decisions in a godly way, that means you're being guided by the Spirit. And as we grow, the Spirit ultimately makes us more sanctified. Like We become more and more like Jesus every day. We talked about that last week, how that Spirit even helps us conquer sin in our lives, right? But God's children are led by his spirit. And if you're a Christian, you can look at God as your father, and you can identify yourself as a son or daughter of God. Now, I understand in a room full of this size, um, there's many people who hear that, and you're excited by that, and you're like, oh, that's sweet, that's super cool. And then there's probably some people in the room who are like, that doesn't mean a ton to me right now. Because we've learned just from psychology and uh, just um, through multiple different ways, we know that we as people oftentimes really struggle to disconnect our view of our Heavenly Father from our earthly father. And so right now, if you're in the room, you have a great dad. You have a good relationship with him. He's there for you. He's with you all the time. When I say you're a son of God, you might be in your heart right now like, oh, that's awesome. But if I'm talking to you right now and you don't have such a good relationship with your dad, if your dad uh, is not in your life, if your dad is in your life and he's uh, not in your life in a healthy way, if your dad is uh, you know, in any way uh, someone that you don't get along with or maybe he's uh, overly uh, disciplined, like he overly disciplines you, this or that, sometimes we can struggle. We read that and think, yeah, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean a ton to me. The son of God? Because oftentimes we what, put our perspective of our earthly father onto our heavenly father. If your earthly father's distant, you might think God's distant. If your earthly father is, uh, you know, Overly, He disciplines you a lot. You might think that God's like this cosmic bully. If your dad is uh, completely out of the picture, you might imagine that God is not there for you. But we have to keep verses like this in the context of the grand narrative of Scripture, where God reveals himself as loving, where God reveals himself as near, where God reveals himself as a good shepherd and a good father who gives good gifts. So if you're in the room right now tonight, and if you're a Christian I want you to know that God is a good father to you. So what does that mean for you? It means he is near. It means he gives good gifts. Luke shows us in his uh, gospel. It means that he is ready and available to be there for you. And he went the distance to be with you. We're going to see here in a second. So if, if you're a Christian in the room, wherever you're at, wherever your perspective on God, you need to know that you can identify as a son or a daughter of God. Throughout the, the highs and lows of life, you have a father who is near, 
You have a Father who is close, and you have a Father who loves. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That is an identifying statement that you can hold on to no matter what. Right? Oftentimes those things we look to in life, you know, I am an athlete, I am an artist, I am popular, I am uh, uh, achieving this, uh, this thing academically, right? You kind of put these things and these, uh, these uh, like, I am statements on yourself, right? But oftentimes we have to put those in the background, we have to put those to the side, Right? Even when those things fade, even when you're not as good as basketball as you thought, or when that person you say you're going to marry breaks up with you, or like all these things happen in life, you can always look to the one truth that says, uh, that is reflected here in verse 14, for I am led by the Spirit, and now I am a daughter of the one true King. I'm led by the Spirit, so that means I'm the son of the Lion of Judah. Do you grasp onto that reality? Do you believe that in your heart? Do you wrestle with that truth? Man, that is something that the Lord wants you to know tonight. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God or daughters of God. God loves you. He is near to you. And that's what his Holy Spirit does. Steve, continuing on, for you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Once again, there it is, a reference to uh, being kids of God, sons and daughters of God. Uh, verse you know, 15, it says, spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is another point, a second point for you guys. When I'm a Christian, I'm adopted into God's family. I'm adopted into God's family. So what does this verse show us? Well, I, this verse, I think, illuminates a lot for us. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So what is Paul doing? Remembering the context of all of this that we've been learning throughout the past couple weeks, Paul is writing against the reality of, you know, these Roman uh, Christians at the time are struggling with this idea of going back to the law or still being held under the law. And Paul is illuminating here, probably many scholars think, that there is no fear of judgment before loving God. There is no fear of keeping all the rules. There is no fear of, of, of trying to be perfect 100% of the time. There is only love from a gracious exchange from a loving father. There is only grace, there is only love before a holy God at this point. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Paul uses some really uh, strict language when he's talking about the law, and he is saying that you know, when we receive Christ, when there's no condemnation in Jesus, there's now nothing to fear. There is no place that you can take yourself back to. There is no uh, spirit of fear. There is no spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And he's saying, you now are adopted into the family of God. So when I'm a Christian, when you are a Christian, you are adopted into God's family. I think this is really cool because it illuminates the fact that you and I weren't born into God's family. Like when you and I were born, we were a long ways off from God. Another place in Romans, it says, when we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, man, I don't know if you've known this, but uh, we've said it every single week, but you are a sinner. We love you enough to tell you the truth. 
right? You're a sinner, and that's where we were born, far away from God, separate from God. We weren't born into his family. We weren't close with him. It says, while well, we were still yet sinners, but not so when we see, receive God's spirit, not so when we encounter the Lord by faith. It says now that he has adopted us in. You see, adoption is a very special thing. God had to go out of his way for you. God paid a price. God sought you out. God went the distance. He did everything to bring you in to his family. And we as sons and daughters, we now have nothing to fear. We don't have to worry about whether or not he made the right decision, whether or not he's disappointed in us, whether or not we're going to not be sons anymore if we mess up. No, no, no. He says that spirit of fear is gone, and now your identity is found in being what? Adopted. Welcomed in. Sought after. Bought with a price. And welcomed in to his family. I think that's really cool. I think we talk about being children of God a lot, but oftentimes I feel like we have to remind ourselves that we were adopted into this thing. This wasn't, you know, given to us from the very second we were born. This wasn't like, I've always been a Christian. No, no, you were sought with a price, the price of God's only son, Jesus. God went out of his way. He paid a price, and it ultimately shows us just how loving God is because he adopted you and I in. When I'm a Christian, I'm adopted into God's family. So I want to do something real quick. I'm going to call uh, Tyler. He's here with us tonight. Um, Tyler is a pastor. And he's um, Tyler's a pastor. He's my boss and my friend. And what's that? Don't don't forget it. Yeah. You remind me every day, so I don't know. Um, so yeah, Tyler is my boss, my friend. He is a pastor and elder here at NGC, and he's been here for nine years? Almost nine years? Yeah, we're too close to it. We might be awkwardly too close to the things. Um, so yeah, anyways, uh, I wanted to interview Tyler. First of all, hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, uh, this is the first time I've stopped and preached to do an interview, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, how long have you, so you and Katie, Katie's your wife, how long have you guys been married? How long have you known each other? We've been married almost 16 years. Okay. So, yeah, we've known each other like 17 years. Very cool. That's awesome. And um, you and Katie have how many kids? Four. Four kids. Yeah. Very cool. And what are, what are their ages? So Molly's 10. Okay. So she'll be in here in like two years. That's cool. Um, no, well, like maybe not the gym, but she'll be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Landon is seven. Ramsey is four. Jameis is two. Okay. Yeah. And so you and Katie adopted Ramsey, your yeah. third son. Okay, or your your third kid. Um, so when did you guys start like praying and processing what the adoption process was going to be like? When did you guys start praying or thinking about it? Was it like always? Yeah. Um, by the way, like talking about this is probably gonna make me cry. So That's okay. I apologize. Um, but yeah, so we, when we were dating, we even said like, hey, at some point, both of us saw that as uh, part of our future. And then we got married and we kind of went back and forth. We're like, hey, are we going to have like, you know, natural kids first, then adopt? Are we going to adopt first? And then we, uh, it just kind of happened. We had a, a daughter. Um, and so we had a couple of daughters and then a few years later, it was like, okay, I think it's time. Nice. Okay. Um, so what was that process like? So you, you were praying about it, you were talking about it. 
Um, what was getting custody like of Ramsey? Yeah, so it was interesting. There, um, we, we knew we wanted to adopt, but we also didn't have any money. So, um, and adoption is very expensive. And so at first we went through the foster care system here in Washington, and we went through all these classes, and um, at every juncture it felt like um, God was just saying, this isn't for you. It's, it's, there's a huge need in foster care, but we're um, like walking away from those trainings really discouraged. Um, we wanted to adopt, like, um, and in, um, in the foster care system, that their goal is not adoption. Their goal is to reunite families, which is a beautiful goal. Um, but like, it was important to us to be able to uh, in, introduce our kids to Jesus. And the foster care system says, like, hey, the kids are in foster care. You can't do that yet because um, they're somebody else's kids and all that. Um, and so uh, about six months into that process, we were actually almost finished with the process. Somebody came to us and said, hey, have you ever thought about um, adopting internationally? We said, oh, yeah, but, I mean, man. That's a lot of money. And they're like, well, there's a huge need in the country of Congo. And so um, they introduced us to this orphanage. There were 100 kids in the orphanage, and uh, four of them were in the adoption process. Um, and part of that is just because of the corruption of the government there. Part of that is uh, because the, um, like the average income in Congo, for instance, is $400 a year uh, for a family. And so that means like if you work at like McDonald's for like 15 bucks an hour, if you work 25 hours, your like weekly paycheck is like more than a family there makes in a whole year. And so on, on average. And so uh, with that, there comes a lot of illness, and a lot of uncertainty, a lot of craziness in the government that affects a lot of things. So there's, there just weren't a lot of people who were uh, kind of willing to try. And so mm -hmm. we said, all right, let, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, okay, so what, so specifically, um, like starting that process and praying and getting connected with uh, this specific organization, what was it like from like the day, like what did it take from there to like finally see Ramsey face to face to like have that moment? Like what was that story like? I know we yeah. talked about it a little bit. Yeah, so they, they told us, like the organization told us, expect it to take like nine months and expect it to cost like a specific amount of money. So we're like, okay, cool. And uh, at the nine-month mark, we were like not halfway done. And because of just government agencies and uh, mainly like on the other side, but also in the U.S., just back and forth. And uh, at that point, we'd also already spent all the money they told us that it was going to cost. Um, and we're like, oh, we're not even halfway done yet. And so uh, it was painful. It was um, it was really slow. Um, there were even times where we were told like. He's never going to leave. So, um, there, there was twice where our agency called and said, like, hey, you should probably just like pick another kid mm. up from another country because this isn't going to happen. Mm. And so, um, yeah, and so the whole process was uh, two years, like, um, to the like to the week of when we started. We started, like, the week before Christmas, 20 something. <laughs> uh, two years later, like the week after that, um, two years later, uh, he actually came home and uh, we got to meet him for the first time, like in an airport in, in San, airport? Francisco, San Francisco. Yeah. What was that moment like? Um, it was wild. Um, it was, it was kind of surreal. Uh, we had gone through this whole process, uh, seen pictures of him, FaceTimed with him on like a really, really, really bad internet connection. Mm -hmm. um, a few times, and so but he'd never met us. He'd never heard English before, and so uh, 
everything we were saying to him, he was just like looking at us with a blank stare, but there was all this excitement. There was kind of like a party in the airport. Nice. Um, there was a nine-year-old girl who totally knew what was going on, also being adopted by another family in the US. And so we were there together. And so they were hugging, and so he was kind of taking a cue from them. He was like hugging us because the nine-year-old was hugging her family. <laughs> um, but he was two at the time yeah. as well. And so, uh, yeah, had no idea what we were saying, had no idea what was going on. Um, he kept touching my face um, and just like, uh, uh, and the, his like his uh, adoption escort that brought him to San Francisco said he's probably never felt hair like this before. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, get used to it. There's a lot of it. <laughs> so all of that, um, it was expen it was expensive. Like you guys, I know you did fundraising. It was a lot of prayer. It was a long time. Um, was it worth it? At the end of it, it's a dumb question, but was it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's, it's crazy to think back on that time of uncertainty mm -hmm. and that time of uh, frustration and that time of just not knowing what the world was going to happen uh, because he's just like my kid now. Yeah, you know? that's right. Um, and so now, um, like when Ramsey is like with you and your family and like when he's at home and he like calls you dad and he like... You look at him, you like play softball or like t-ball with him, and he like looks at you as dad. Like, how does that make you feel? I don't know. In a way, I don't even think about it because it's just what I am. Mm -hmm. You know, um, in the same way that my ten-year-old calls me dad, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. feel any different than that. Um, sometimes we get funny looks because he looks a lot different than me. Like, sure. Uh, we're <laughs> out public, and somebody's like, he's like dad, and they're like, you. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just it's kind of normal. It's just your joke. Yeah, it's just your son. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, Tyler. I appreciate that. Um, can everybody thank Tyler? <laughs>
Jesus. That's your third thing I want you to get down. When you are a follower of God, when you are following after Jesus Christ, you are an heir with Jesus. What does that mean? It means that because of the work of Jesus, you now have access to God. Because of the work of Jesus, you are now in the family of God. Because of the work of Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees his son or his daughter. And he doesn't think twice about it because of the work of his son. You receive the blessings that Christ has gotten, the what? In righteousness. The righteousness fulfilled in you, it says in Romans 8 here. The righteousness fulfilled in you, not because of the good work you did, but because of what Christ has done through and in you, in and through you. And if children then heirs, heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ. Man, you and I right now have access to God. And we patiently wait for the day that we get to receive, we get to see with our own eyes the reward that Christ has won, right? We didn't win it, but we have access to it. It's pretty good news. That's why we talk about it all the time, right? We get to receive that inheritance that was promised to Jesus because of Jesus' work. Man, does that change your perspective on Christ? Does that change your perspective on your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Does that stir affection in your heart for Christ? When you think about running to, your God, to God as your father, do you remember, do you think about the work, the sacrifice that went into receiving you into the family of faith? Do you think about, do you dwell about the lengths that Christ or God had to go through to receive you into his family? And do you rejoice in the fact that you now have access to God through his spirit and you also patiently wait for the day that you get to see your inheritance in heaven. You get to see the victory Christ has won full force and you get to stay there forever. Is that where you're rooted right now? Is that what drives you every morning? Does your identity in Christ just outshine any other identity that you might latch onto here while you're on earth? When you read scriptures like this and you see those words, Abba, Father, do you right now, your relationship with God, do you run to God with confidence that you're his son or daughter? Do you run with God with affection? That's what that word means, Abba. It's a personal, it's a very personal relationship. Do you run to God with thankfulness? Are you overwhelmed with joy that he sought you out he watched you he was with you he was waiting he was seeking you out and he went all the way for you we hear these beautiful stories of adoption and we we see the work and the effort and the time that goes into it and it pales in comparison to what christ has done for you and i receive the spirit of adoption as sons or daughters and heirs now with Christ. Man, that's who you are. The Holy Spirit is God's stamp on your life, the guarantee of our inheritance, the down payment, if you will, of our inheritance is God's Holy Spirit living in and inside you. Verse 16, sometimes we don't 
remember this. And so if you're listening to me right now and you're not remembering this and you are convicted and you feel like you don't think those things all the time, verse 16 shows us the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, a.k.a. the Spirit is the one who brought us into the family of God, and the Spirit is the one who reminds us that we're in the family of God. That's what verse 16 says. He testifies to our spirit. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, a.k.a. Uh, you know, our, our human spirit. You can see it's not capitalized. It's a different word in the Greek. Uh, it's our spirit that we are children of God. Do you believe that? And how would that change your life if you did believe that? There are so many things that the world would tell you to put your identity in, to try and find your, uh, you know, complete satisfaction in that friend group, complete satisfaction and identity in that sport, your, you know, complete satisfaction and identity in that curriculum or in that school that you're going to get into or in the fact that people call you smart and it makes you feel really happy inside. But do you, at the end of the day, look at these things that you can say about yourself because of what Christ has done and say, those are the things that are driving me through the day-to-day -day life. Those are the things that are bringing me in and through the day-to-day -day life. The things that go wrong, the struggles that I have. Do you look at yourself at the end of the day and say, I am a son and daughter of the king. I am adopted into the family of God. And because of the work of Christ, I am an heir with God or a fellow heir with Christ. How would that change your perspective, man? How would that change your life this next week if you truly grasp onto those ideas and you truly believe them? Which one of those statements do you struggle with? Maybe you're like being sometimes you hear that word like, God loves you, or like, you're greatly loved by God, and you're like, yeah, well, like, God kind of loves everyone, it's kind of his MO, it's just what he does. But then we hear the stories of what Christ has done, and we see what Christ has done through scripture, and we remember and we dwell on the reality that you were bought with a price, that you were sought after, that you were sought after to be brought into the family of God. How does that change your perspective? I hope you wouldn't be tempted in any way, shape, or fashion to receive, you know, identity, to receive total and complete security from anywhere or anything else. We have current security in our identity and a future hope for our eternity. That's what God's Spirit does. That's where we get to experience life. How does that change your heart today? How does that change your perspective? If you're his, you're his forever. He didn't regret his decision. He doesn't look at you and say, like, you kind of were my son, but I don't know, you're kind of messing it up right now. Or like, man, I really did want you, but then you were here, and I'm like, I don't know, man. God doesn't do those things, because he's a perfect father. And he's a perfect father who adopted you into his family. And he's given you his Holy Spirit to what leads you, verse 14 shows us. Man, that's what the Holy Spirit does for you. If you don't know Jesus in this room, I would love to tell you about him. If you've heard about him for a while and you're like, dude, I don't know. I don't know if I'm all in on this Jesus guy. He loves you. He cares for you. Many of us in this room know him. 
Many of us in this room have been changed by him. We would love to tell you about him and what he has done for us. God has adopted us in to the family of faith. So believe that and be confident in that. The things of this world kind of suck. When the things that you put your faith in, the things that you wanted to lead you through the next day, throughout high school, throughout the next couple months and weeks, when those things go wrong, you have a firm foundation in your identity, not the special thing that makes you you, not your you know, personality, not your interest, not your intellect, not your ability. It's none of those things. It's all what Christ has done, and it is his spirit working in and through you. Look at yourself differently. View yourself differently. Don't let the enemy, don't let yourself, don't let the world tell you anything else if you're in Christ. You have those three truths to grasp onto constantly. If we're adopted, we can cry out, Abba, Father, because the Spirit is reminding us. He is bearing witness to us, our human spirit, our flesh, that we are his children. And if we're his children, then man, we're co fellow heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, we get all the reward that Christ gets because of what he did. That's where you are. That's where we're at. I hope you believe that today. God, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this um, truth of your word. Thank you for the reality that we were lost without you, that we were not in your family, that we needed a savior God, I pray that for the people in this room who are looking for their identity uh, tonight, God, I pray that they would be encouraged by the stories we've heard, by the truth from your word. God, I pray that there would be no temptation in our hearts and in our lives in this next week or in the next couple months to think that we have enough, uh, you know, we have enough to get us through our lives. We have enough uh, intellect. We have enough ability. We have enough friends. But God, would we constantly be reminded that you have sought us out and you are still seeking us out and you are still working in and through our hearts as we are continually sanctified. God, I pray for the person in this room who doesn't know you yet. I pray that you would continue to stir in their hearts, that they would be bold enough to ask their leader or to ask me or to ask someone about who you are and how you have come to adopt us. God, I pray for the Christian in the room that they would be encouraged that they would sing and that they would be joyful because of this truth. That they wouldn't come here on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and just be business as usual. Things are just kind of, this is just who I am now and it's kind of cool. But would we be awe-stricken by the reality that you went out of your way. You sought us out. And now we can cry out to you as dad and you don't think anything different. You just look at us and you love us. God, we love you. Thank you for adopting us in. Thank you for changing our identities. Thank you for bringing us out of the dominion of darkness and into your light. Help us to sing this with passion and joy and thankfulness as we remember and we dwell on what you've done for us and what you're doing in the lives of those who don't know you yet. We love you. Thank you for this opportunity to sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.